edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer. Sissel is running the board and we have uh, a returning guest. Uh, his name is Tony Kolink. He is a law professor here in uh, North Texas in the Dallas uh, area. He um, also is an author. He's got a successful series called the Harwood Mystery Series. It's historical fiction. I think we've done an interview. I know we have. We did a, an interview on the first one, the second one, and now the third one's out. Uh, it's called The Fire of Eden. The first two are called Shadow in the Dark and The Haunted Cathedral. And we're also going to talk about a new podcast he has uh, focusing on issues that impact young people. So, Tony Kolink, welcome. Thanks for being with me today again. Thanks so much for having me back, Dave. Yeah, I heard you recently on the Catholic Drive Time show, so you are making your rounds on all the, the GRN shows, aren't you, which is nice. Yeah, well, it's nice. Not not only did the, did I get to talk about my series, but I also had a chance to talk about the law a little bit, which as a law professor is always fun to do. Yeah, probably uh, it makes its way a little bit into uh, the book as well. I'm sure that some 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 in some way the uh, uh, law or your training in it uh, must must come out. But let's talk about the series, uh, Harwood Mystery Series. I don't recall when the first one came out. I think it was at least a few years ago. But uh, talk about the series in general before we specifically talk about book number three. Sure. The Harwood Mysteries, uh, the first book, Shadow in the Dark, came out in July of 2020. The second book, The Honda Cathedral, came out in February of this year, and book three came out in July of this year. And I just sent book four to Loyola Press, which is the publisher, and that will hopefully be coming out next summer. Uh, so it's an ongoing series. It takes place in 12th century England, and it follows a, uh, a peasant uh, named Zan, who in Shadow in the Dark winds up having his village attacked by bandits and he loses his family and he winds up being raised by the monks at Harwood Abbey. And uh, this is in Yorkshire, England. Um, there's a uh, there's a nunnery on the uh, abbey grounds and he winds up meeting um, a girl his age named Lucy who sort of becomes his partner in crime for, for the first three books. And uh, the series really kind of follows Anne and Lucy uh, not only does it sort of reveal various historical uh, items that are going on at that time in 12th century England, but it also kind of brings the reader uh, which, you know, on a fun adventure uh, where they have to solve these kind of spooky mysteries while they're also grappling with different issues of faith and, uh, and religion. So it has a little bit of everything in it. They're, uh, they're very good, clean reads for, uh, you know, really teens and tweens ages 10 and up. You know, I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking uh, from a historical perspective, I, I wish I had taken more history classes when I was younger, but 12th century England, this is obviously pre-Reformation. This is even a century before Aquinas hits the scene. Uh, is this, and I don't know if, if, if you know, like what was going on specifically in England at that time? Is this the time of like Thomas Beckett and Canterbury Tales and that kind of thing? Or what, what, uh, how much history does one learn about you know, especially you know Christendom and what was going on in the church uh, in reading the series. Does that come out? Absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, you know I specifically chose this time period for several reasons, but it's a really fascinating time period. The first book begins in 1184. By the time we get to book four, we're in 1186. Um, Thomas Becket is martyred. 
you know, in, in like 1170 or 71 or something like that. So this is, you know, about 15 years after the martyrdom. Henry II is still sitting on the throne, but he's in his last few years on the throne. There's a lot of turmoil going on with his sons. Richard the Lionheart is uh, one of his sons who's going to become the next king and uh, who's going to go on the Third Crusade. So this is also in between the Second and Third Crusades. And in fact, uh, you know, we're sort of building in the series uh, to a point where uh, the Third Crusade should begin with Saladin, the uh, great sultan who basically took back Jerusalem from uh, the Christendom, uh, you know, for good, pretty much. And, and so it's really a fascinating time. It's also the time... Uh, feudalism, where you have these powerful landlords who own all of the land uh, in England and also throughout Europe, and you have these serfs and other peasants who work the land, and pretty much uh, Zan, you know, this comes out throughout the series, Zan, is, his family was really a family of serfs, and so they are, you know, essentially indentured servants to the landlord on their land, so even for Zan to have any decisions made in his life, he has to you know, follow all the rules and pay money to the landlord to be able to sort of have the ability to to even win any sort of freedom for himself. So there's a lot of really fascinating things about the Middle Ages uh, in the series. And, you know, uh, for, for people who are reading the series, they learn about monastic life at this time. They learn about sort of the conflict between Henry II and the church, um, all this other history that's going on. And that's, I really said it there specifically because I wanted them to not only be really cool stories, but also to be able to enlighten the readers in, in a very interesting time in history. Yeah. I saw the, uh, the write-up of book number three, The Fire of Eden. It says, Zan and John are orphans at Harwood Abbey. They're also enemies. John is blinded by an accident. Uh, Zan joins forces with the most unlikely of allies to uncover the mystery of the loss of the Fire of Eden, a, a priceless ruby coveted by many. Uh, you've got to have quite an imagination. Where does all this come from, or what's the process of, you know, kind of keeping this storyline going and, uh, thinking of new and interesting, you know, twists and turns in the plot? Well, how, 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 where does that come from? Well, I'm always trying to shake it up, and uh, and you know I'm a father of five kids. We were homeschoolers, so um, my son uh, was in his teenage years when when I've been developing uh, the plots in the first three books, and so I was able to get a lot of feedback from sort of a teenager as to you know what was working and what wasn't working. Um, a funny story on the Fire of Eden. I, I got the final draft of my initial draft done, and and my son read it. And he said, Dad, you cannot end the book this way. This is not a good way to end the book. You know, the way the mystery was resolved. And I was like, all right, all right, let's talk this out. What's the problem with it? And he was totally right. And so I wound up changing uh, the ending of the mystery in a way that is actually much more fulfilling and interesting for the reader than it was originally. But, um, yeah, but I'm always trying to do something a little different. So book one, Shadow in the Dark, is sort of this spooky mystery where, you know, it's about Zan you know, struggling with the loss of his family. He also lo loses his memory. So this is sort of like his origin story where he winds up at the Abbey, and he's got to solve this mystery, not only of the bandits who are, like, attacking everything in the area, but also this kind of spooky, you know, Grim Reaper-looking figure that's roaming around in the Abbey grounds at night. Um, but, you know, so book one is really sort of about Zan dealing with uh, those issues, and that's where he meets Lucy, and they, you know, solve some of this together. 
In book two, they travel to Lincoln, England, which is a bigger city, and there's a major historical event that occurs at Lincoln Cathedral in 1185, yeah. which is why I set the book in Lincoln. And, uh, and so book two is sort of like a ghost story. Uh, you know, the, the, the cathedral is rumored to be haunted by this little girl, and Zan is sort of struggling to forgive the bandit who destroyed his village, who happens to be um, going to jail, essentially, in Lincoln, and he, and he sort of is around. So there's this whole forgiveness theme in book two, and also this sort of issue of, you know, again, Zan's struggling because his family was lost, and he's uh, thinking about, you know, what does it mean to be a saint? And he has these conversations with one of the monks about, well, what's the difference between, like, a ghost and a saint? Why don't you believe in ghosts, but you believe in you know, saints and this kind of thing. And then book three, Fire of Eden, as you mentioned, is really sort of like a jewel heist kind of a book. You know, there's this ruby that gets stolen. They they move to, a, you know, there's an ordination of a Brother Andrew is going to become a priest. And so that sort of causes them to go to this other location, this other priory. And uh, Brother Andrew comes from money. His father, uh, his family were landlords themselves before he gave it all up to become a monk. And uh, his mother brings this jewel, the Fire of Eden, which gets stolen on the eve of his, you know, ordination. And there's all these sort of cast of, you know, quirky characters, including this, uh, if you look at the cover of the Fire of Eden, you see this magician on the cover. It looks like Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings or something. And he's kind of the spooky magician who is nearby, and he's one of the, the suspects in the uh, in the jewel heist. Wow. And that book is really about pride. You know, Zan is struggling with pride, and also it's about vocation. You know, Zan has to figure out, what am I going to do with my life at this point? Yeah, I know the feeling. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tony Kolink is my guest. Uh, Harwood Mystery Series is the uh, historical fiction series that he's written. As he mentioned, uh, the third one, uh, The Fire of Eden, the third in the series, came out uh, July of this year. The uh, Number four is uh, in the pipeline. And boy, Tony, you know, the, the pace that you're writing these, especially father of five kids, busy job, uh, travel. Uh, I know you travel a lot. How do you find the time to, to you're, you're pumping out basically about four books in, in two years or so? I mean, that, that, that's amazing uh, productivity. Well, don't be too amazed because it took me about 12 years to write the first three books. You know, they've been in the, in the works for quite some time. Loyola Press uh, picked up the series, uh, you know, in about 2017, we really started working in earnest on, and at that point I had all three of the first three books done in a uh, in one version which we um you know revised significantly in, in time. So I didn't write all four of the books in 2 years. That would be pretty amazing. But uh I, you know I spend most of my you know my writing time comes in in the mornings, you know, probably between like, you know, 5:30 and 8 o'clock in the morning before my the rest of my life begins. That's kind of what my practice <laughs> While is. While people been. are sleeping, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. Now my kids are all grown at this point. My youngest is a, a junior in college, but as I was writing these, yeah, it's like that's the only peaceful time in the house is like 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I know the feeling. Uh, well, great. Uh, so the, the three so far, Shadow in the Dark, The Haunted Cathedral, The Fire of Eden. Uh, Tony Kolink is the author. Uh, he also goes, uh, Anthony, A-N-T-O-N-Y. And then the last name, most important, K-O-L-E-N-C, if you want to look that up. Uh, his website, AnthonyKolink.com. And, uh, Anthony, we'll, we'll, I mean, Tony, we'll, uh, 
do a summary of the book here at the end of the interview, but I want to also talk about this new podcast that you started back, uh, gosh, just last month in September called uh, The Shepherd's Pie, uh, a, slice of, a Slice of Hope to Raise Faithful Kids. Tell us about that. Well, as I said, I, we were a homeschooling uh, family. I actually still am a columnist for Practical Homeschooling Magazine. And, uh, you know, five kids, you know, youth groups and this kind of thing throughout time. And uh, there was a radio station up in Massachusetts that, uh, you know, approached me at, at one of our conferences when I was giving an interview about the Harwood Mysteries, actually, and suggested, you know, um, maybe doing a show focused on youth issues since the books are all for teens and I've got all this other background. And I prayed about it and I thought, you know what, this is probably a really cool thing to do. So, uh, so I'm, I've started it. It's, uh, it's available, you know, on all the major podcasting platforms in addition to, uh, you know, being broadcast on, uh, at least one Catholic radio station at this point. And it comes out weekly. Uh, and really we try to hit all different topics. I interview pretty much the format of the show is I have an interview. It's a 28 minute show. I have an interview and then I have like an entertainment review segment. So I, you know, review either a book, a movie, a game, or something that is related to youth, a resource, or, a, you know, a good teen novel. And then my interview, I try to, you know, cast a wide net, you know, any issues that might impact youth. So, uh, you know, in the, uh, the one broadcasting this week, I actually have the senior counsel at Americans United for Life, Clark Forsyth, and we're talking about pro-life issues and why that's important for youth. Um, I sometimes have, you know, Catholic or even Protestant authors. It's an ecumenical show. So I, you know, I try to, um, you know, bring in a diversity of people to talk about, you know, the importance of different issues. We have a you know, show on anxiety, a show on, you know, pretty much, um, <laughs> I have somebody from a lawyer from uh, First Liberty who's talking about cases in public school, teenagers trying to express their faith in public schools. So we, we cast a wide net. And do you, is the is the audience is the parents of the youth, or or is it something that the youth themselves would enjoy would uh, want to watch? I wish that youth would listen to Catholic radio uh, <laughs> a lot more than they <laughs> probably do. Yeah. So the show is really geared for uh, for parents, grandparents, youth leaders, pastors, pretty much anybody who has any interest in youth or youth issues. And um, you know, we I, I wish I would hope that we'd have some uh, you know teens that would enjoy the show. But I know that our main demographic is going to be adults. Yeah, yeah. Is there a, we, we love like family movie night and, you know, you say you do movie reviews and things like that. Is there anything that comes to mind that maybe a review you've done the last uh, couple months that of a movie that you could recommend that's clean and, and wholesome for families? Anything uh, pop into your mind? Yeah, I've looked at um, a few movies uh, and I try to match the movie up if I'm doing a movie review with the theme and I don't limit myself to just new releases. Yeah. Um, so for instance, this one with the pro-life, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie October Baby. Oh yeah. Which yeah. was released a few years ago. And so um, that's sort of the movie I highlight with that, which is great. I mean, it, it, I, I think it's a must-see movie yeah, for every teenager. Yeah, it's funny too. Yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, there's some funny things in it. Um I looked at God's Not Dead too when I did the issue on faith in public school because that's about a public school teacher who gets in trouble for saying something about Jesus in the classroom. Um, and, and actually, I, I have looked at a few movies that um, are not as wholesome, perhaps. Um, like I, I reviewed In the Heights, uh, which recently came out, uh, the uh, 
Manuel Lin Miranda, Lin Manuel Miranda movie from Hamilton, mm-hmm. uh, fame, same guy. Uh, which I really enjoyed that movie, but there's definitely some things in that movie that would be inappropriate for younger teens. So, you know, I, I talk about the movie, I, I say why I like it, and then I say, you know, this is great for older teens, um, but, you know, for younger teens, there's definitely some, like, sexual innuendos and things that would be inappropriate. Yeah. I know I asked you, probably both times I've interviewed you, I've asked you this about the... um uh, your books being turned into film, and I, I think you said that you were open to that. Has that conversation ever come up with anybody, any kind of film producers, or uh, has that been broached yet? That That is a very slow process. There actually are some great Catholic uh, movie producers out there um, that are looking at, uh, you know, I, I'm part of a, a group of other Catholic teen authors that I, I would love to plug the website catholicteenbooks.com. Um, there's about 16 of us on there who write books for, for teens and tweens. And, um, and this Catholic producer has taken an interest in some of the books of my fellow authors. Mine is one of the books that they're looking at, but this is like a really slow process. So, yeah. you know, I'm praying that at the right time, you know, it, it might, uh, it might find its way there if, if it's God's will, right? I mean, I, I'm kind of at the mercy of God on this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Aren't we all? Tony Colink, my guest, uh, uh, his uh, blog is uh, his podcast, I guess I should say, called The Shepherd's Pie, uh, A Slice of Hope to Raise Faithful Kids. And you can find that uh, at his website, antonycolink.com, A-N-T-O-N-Y-K-O-L-E-N-C. His uh, series is called The Harwood Mysteries Series. Uh, the third one is out uh, as of uh, July of this year, The Fire of Eden. And, you know, I asked you about the historical perspective of, you know, 11th, uh, 12th century England. Uh, I'm guessing you've spent some time over there. You almost seems like you would have to have phys- physically been there to, to kind of take in the culture. Have you had a chance throughout your life to, to spend time in England? Well, that was one of my favorite things I did in prepping for these books is I, I was teaching in France as part of my law school uh, duties one summer, yeah. and I decided I was going to take a few weeks off and basically take what I called my Zan tour. Yeah. And so I went to the UK and, and, and uh, you know, Scotland and Ireland and you know, Lincoln and Yorkshire and all the places that I was writing about and went to Lincoln Cathedral and Lincoln Castle and all that. And yeah, like you said, I mean, it was basically a big boondoggle, but it was it was a lot of fun, and it gave me a chance to to you know get to see the places firsthand. I took a lot of pictures that I've referred to since then. Obviously, things have changed a lot since you know 1184 in the UK, but um, but believe I mean, Lincoln Castle is the same castle that's still standing. Lincoln Cathedral, uh, there's like a new version of Lincoln Cathedral, but you know, even portions of the old cathedral I talk about still remain there today. So, I mean, there is definitely some remaining items to see. But, yeah, that was that was a blast. I really enjoyed that. All right. So if people want to get the, any of the three books or uh, anticipate the fourth coming out, uh, should they just go to the website? Or what, what's the best way for them to get it? Well, I mean, they can get it uh, just about anywhere on Amazon or uh, you know ChristianBook.com. I always encourage people to go to their local Catholic bookstore and ask them to either order it or stock it, um, since you know it's coming from Loyola Press, and uh, and they can get all their normal discounts and all that kind of thing. But uh, I should also mention, I suppose, uh, the books have been doing very well with the critics. Uh, yeah. the book one won six book awards, including three gold medals. 
Book two just entered the awards cycle, and it's, it's won a gold medal at the 2021 Moonbeam Book Awards, which just came out a few weeks ago, and that one still has several awards to, to go in the spring. Book three still hasn't entered the cycle. So I'm hopeful that, you know, um, people will recognize the books that are, you know, that they're well-written and that they are definitely good for uh, teens and tweens. They're, they're fun reads, and they're also kind of educational yeah. Have you done any book signings in North Texas at, at like Catholic bookstores uh, you know, or anything? You know, I, I, uh, how do I say this? Um, I'm totally open to doing book signings and yeah. actually there's a, uh, there's a, uh, Tiffany Fisher from Christian book fair. Yeah, I know Tiffany, uh, is in the Dallas area and she recently decided to carry the seri- uh, series and I told her I'd be glad to do any book signings with her. The, the honest truth is it's, it's tough for Catholic bookstores. They don't do a lot of book signings. It's, it's a tough time to be in business. And, uh, if there's any Catholic bookstores out there listening, sure, I would totally love to, to do one. I did approach one, but they just uh, couldn't fit it into their situation. But, um, I'm definitely up for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we can do a live broadcast or something from uh, from a, one of the bookstores. There you we, go. We, we love all those now folks we're out talking. there. Uh, <laughs> we'll make it happen. All right, Tony. Well, hey, thanks so much. Congratulations on the success uh, of the series. The 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 one that came out uh, July of this year is called The Fire of Eden. The other two are The Shad- oh, Shadow in the Dark and The Haunted Cathedral. Uh, Tony Kolink, uh, K O L E N C. You can go to antonycolink.com and also check out uh, his podcast, which is called The Shepherd's Pie, A Slice of Hope to Raise Faithful Kids. And I think you can find information about that on his website, uh, antonycolink.com. I think we covered it all. Uh, thanks for your time, uh, Tony, and uh, good speaking with you again. Yeah, Dave, really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thanks. Uh, thanks to Sissel, and thanks, everybody, for listening. I love suggestions for future interviews. makes my life a lot easier if you have a suggestion, something that is uh, local and touches on the Catholic faith in one way or another. We want to hear from you for the interview of the week. Just email me directly, Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. Please join Holy Trinity Seminary in congratulating longtime KATH 910 AM supporter and volunteer Margie Giangiulio, recipient of the 2021 St. John Vianney Award. This award was presented to her for her extraordinary giving from the heart to Holy Trinity Seminary at the recent Spes Gregis event. You can learn more about Holy Trinity Seminary and the formation of our future priests at holytrinityseminary.org. Congratulations, Margie. The University of Dallas presents What can I do that is the definite service that God wants me to give to the world? Think of the the challenges that we have coming from our culture. We really need the virtue of courage. Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest, airing November 15th at 3.30 p.m. Central on EWTN. Visit quest.udallas.edu. Hello and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer, the host. Diane Xavier is running the board and we are grateful that you are listening. This is a program where we like to tell you about wonderful Catholic events and news, good stuff going on, and there is no shortage of it. In fact, we're going to be talking over the next 20, 25 minutes about a Christmas kickoff event. It's called the Ultimate Family Christmas Kickoff. 
benefiting Birth Choice of Dallas. It involves a, a delectable brunch and a Christmas Pops concert performed by the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. This is really cool. It's going to be Sunday, December 5th at the Meyerson Symphony Center on Flora Street in downtown Dallas. And uh, it's really nice. And I want to welcome two wonderful ladies in studio, uh, my dear friend Shelley Stanzel, who has... Uh, been no stranger to Catholic Radio for many, many years. Uh, she's in studio, and she serves uh, as a board member of Birth Choice, and she also is the chair of this particular event. This is the third time they've done it, so we'll be giving you all the details of this event. And uh, Courtney Shaw is uh, Client Services Director for Birth Choice, and she's just aware. she is here as well. So welcome to both of you, and thank you for being here. We're glad to be here, Dave. Thanks for letting us come on the radio. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's good to have you here, and I just got to go down memory lane a little bit with you, Shelley, because uh, many people don't even don't remember perhaps that you used to do a radio show uh, called The Tipping Point, and it was one of the best produced, best prepared. I have such fond memories of it around 2012, 2013, thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, so, gosh, it's good to have you back in studio. Well, it's really good to be back here with all my Guadalupe radio friends. I have good memories, and I've made a lot of friends through Catholic radio. So I'm pleased to be here, and I think Courtney's pleased to be here, too. Yes, yeah, I hope, I hope so. She better be. I don't think she'd say otherwise, even if she wasn't. But uh, it's uh, it's good to have you. Let me, um, first of all, either one of you can answer, just about birth choice in general. Maybe, Courtney, you can tell us, since you're uh, you know, an employee there, so to speak. Uh, for those who are hearing Birth Choice for the first time, a little bit just briefly about the mission and the purpose of it. Yeah, of course. So Birth Choice is a Catholic crisis pregnancy clinic. Um, so we provide free pregnancy testing, free ultrasounds, and then um, free counseling. So um, we are right across the street from one of the largest abortion clinics in Texas. And um, our women that come in are usually facing a very unexpected pregnancy and are looking for abortion services. So our goal is really to um, empower them because we believe they're capable and creative um, in coming up with their own solutions. And we're here to listen to them and show them alternatives um, that they may not know about. Yeah. And there's a long list, I'm sure, of uh, women and men and families who are so grateful for the effort of birth choice and all that you've done to, to serve families and, 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 like you say, people in crisis situations. Real quickly, client services director, what does that mean and what does your, your, your role entail? Yeah, basically, um, I do all of the client-facing programs. So I manage the staff that sees the clients and then any programs such as classes, material assistance, um, and then trainings for volunteers and managing all of them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you for being here. And I know you got some job openings, and maybe we can mention that uh, a little bit later in the interview as well. That sounds great. Uh, Aaron uh, Fowler was here recently and uh, talked about the need, and I know that that, that, that need continues uh, for folks who would like to uh, work at Birth Choice. We'll tell you about that as well. By the way, website, support.birthchoicedallas.org. Uh, support.birthchoicedallas.org. Uh, Shelly, uh, you, you, uh, we were talking beforehand about your very name, Stanzel, just in this di- in the di- Dallas Diocese in particular, just speaks of philanthropy and volunteering and organizing events. And uh, your dear mother-in-law, uh, uh, Susan, uh, it's, it's kind of a legacy you were kind of, you married into, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I'm really lucky because so many people complain about their in-laws and my in-laws are just fabulous. I couldn't ask for anybody better than that. 
And my mother-in-law, Susan, has been an inspiration to me and a wonderful mentor. And I don't know if people out there remember Colleen Parabellargen. She's mm-hmm. always helped me. Whenever I chair these fundraisers, they're always on my advisory board. I call them all the time, except Colleen's passed away now, and then Dan Hennessy. So those three people are instrumental in everything that they taught me how to do. I try to implement when I chair an event. Yeah, well, it's a sign of a wise person who takes advice from people that uh, know how to do things, right? Rather than reinventing the wheel, you go to the people who have done this. Uh, tell, tell us, how did you get connected with Birth Choice? Well, um, uh, I've been involved with pro-life for a while, pretty involved, heavily involved. And uh, I had a friend named Fred Fink who was opening a new crisis pregnancy center because the bishop at that time, Bishop Farrell, had asked them to do it. So um, their original place was over on Record Crossing, and when they first opened, my brother-in-law, Paul Stenzel, and David Holder and I, all three of us co-chaired the first two fundraisers for Birth Choice, and we had it over at the Biblical Arts Center. I think you might have been there. Yeah, I remember yeah. that, yes. Yeah, and we had a, a world-renowned violinist who donated his talents, and then we had a huge buffet. And uh, it really introduced a lot of people to the center. And so they worked so hard and and dedicated themselves, and they've really built a wonderful, wonderful place there. Yeah. What does it mean to be on the board? Other than, you know, organizing an event like this, are you meeting on a monthly basis? Is there a decision-making? Or what? what is it? What is the life of a board member of Birth Choice? Well, a life of a board member at Birth Choice is pretty dang good. <laughs> you know, you always hear these, these horror stories about people's boards. And yeah. our board is wonderful. Everybody gets along. Uh, Rhonda Moreland is our chairman. And we make decisions we do a lot our meetings in the past used to be four and five hours long and then when Rhonda became chairman of the board because we had so much to cover and when Rhonda became chairman of the board last year she makes sure that everything is done within two hours Mm. so if we don't get it done in two hours then we don't get it done so, yeah, I was going to say those four or five hour meetings, you'd have to change board to B O R E D, wouldn't you? That's it, just uh, that's uh, that's a bit long. Yeah, and we're a small board. There are nine of us. Yeah, and so we're really lucky. We have two doctors on the board, and then we've just had some new board members who've been voted in, and one of those doctors is a psychiatrist, which mm. is great. Oh, and then Corley Rinaldi, who's on the board, yeah. she is really helping with this concert. She's basically a co-chair, mm. basically. She doesn't call herself that, but she is. Yeah. And she's a licensed professional counselor. So since since counseling is the most important part of our center, and that's what Courtney is in charge of, um, it's wonderful having an LPC on the board, the licensed yeah. professional counselor right, called right. LPC. Yeah, and uh, and again, the the website support.birthchoice.org. So I'm sorry, support.birthchoicedallas.org right. is where people can go and learn more about this concert. You, you always seem to really kind of specialize in these what I would call classy events. You know, the the symphony. The I mean, you know, the violinist. I mean, that's kind of your your thing, isn't it? You like the the, the classy, and I think you, and your mother in law was the same way. The events were always. Very, um, very nice. She's so funny at a lot of fundraisers <laughs> or parties. They always serve wine. Yeah. She always serves champagne. Yeah. And it doesn't cost anymore. Yeah. But she likes champagne. And so that's kind of funny. So when I'm doing something, I try to come up with something different because 
for people, some people don't go to functions very often, but some people, it's like their life, and they go to, rather than going to dinner at a restaurant, they'll save that money and go to a fundraiser because they enjoy themselves, but also they have causes, so they're, they want to help a cause, so they'll, rather than spending money on a nice restaurant, they'll go there. And so I try to come up with something different. So when I came up with this idea of the concert and the brunch, um, people really liked it because it was different. We don't have a program. So some people, I know one person who hates to go to dinners and lunches because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to sit through a program. She hates yeah. them. Yeah. But she'll come to our concert. And it's a sing-along family Christmas concert. So you can bring the kids. You don't have to get a babysitter. It. It's a family event. Yeah. And if you don't have a family, that's okay, too. You know, you don't have to have a family to come if you and don't have kids. what about the connection with the symphony orchestra? Because you obviously had to have arranged that. And right. uh, who exactly, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I've actually never been to the symphony. And so I'm not, I'm not familiar with this. What will the performance be? How many instruments? And uh, yeah. tell, who, who will they be the performers? Well, the performers... I don't really know. I didn't ask them this year. Yeah. But what they'll do is it's in a beautiful building called the Meyerson Symphony Hall. And you don't have to dress up for this. You know, people dress in just nice casual. People wear Christmas sweaters. It's it's family thing. So it's not a, it's not a fancy event. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in a nice place, but it's nothing intimidating. Um, you do need to get there early for parking. They've got underground parking. And it's right across the street from the cathedral. In fact, if you know where the cathedral is... The Meyerson Symphony Hall is literally right behind it. Yeah. And so when you go to the symphony, what happens is they take your ticket, you go in, and you just sit down. But for our event, there'll be signs there, and you come over to our brunch. It's just going to be us there. And what we've done is we purchase blocks of seats. So there'll be a lot of just general population people there. And we, oh, okay. we don't have that many people. We'll have between – one year we had 240 people we're shooting for 350 this year. I don't know if we'll make it. So all you people out there in Radio Land, uh, I hope you will. <laughs> Radio Land, that's who you are. Um, I I'm trying to figure out where geographically Radio Land is. I think it's pretty much anywhere where this signal is heard, right? It's mm-hmm. on O'Connor Ridge Road here yeah, in Irving. Yeah, that's right. where the station is. Okay, so that's interesting. So you're you're shooting for 350. And this is part of a larger concert. How many people can they hold there? Oh, I think. Well, I think like three or four thousand. Oh, really? Maybe, but but I but had it, no idea. Or maybe it's just two thousand. You know, I don't really remember. But it's yeah. interesting because all the seats are good. Yeah, we have three levels of seating, and even the cheapest seats, the le- least expensive seats, are good seats because we made sure they gave us good seats. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now that makes sense now. So it's not like. It's the, not the, a cavernous. The, yeah, the, and, the, and the performers are up there doing their usual thing, and you all are part of it. But like you say, there will be people there that are not part of right. of the event. But the event, the uh, the brunch itself, will that be specific to Birth Choice? Yes, the, it's only us. Okay, it's so you've got a room that for the brunch. Okay, yeah, and okay. it's it's actually it's part of the lobby that they have off of it. It's beautiful. It's got full length mirrors, and um, it's a buffet. It's a brunch buffet. It's just us. Uh, we're going to have a mimosa bar. Since we're Catholic, we can have a mimosa bar at our event. That's all free. It's mm-hmm. a party your deal. Uh, we have free pictures with Santa, and you'll be getting those. And we're lucky because there's a Santa that's part of the performance. And it's not just a symphony. People, it, they're, they're singing the music. It's yeah. not just instrumental. I mean, they're up there singing. But Santa, if, if you buy a floor seat, Santa runs around on the floor. Oh, really? 
my. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And we had to make sure that that Santa could be our Santa because the real Santa is going to be there. We didn't want to have any Santa imposters running around <laughs> when the yeah, real Santa yeah, was going to be there. Yeah, we can't put up with that. So let the kids know it's okay. the real Santa Claus. All right. Uh, very, yeah. very good. And this is, uh, to me, it's the, the best time of the year. Those two or three weeks right before Christmas, you'll be in Advent, I think, by by this time, I believe. It's the uh, first Sunday in December is when our concert is. Yeah, so that's uh, you're in Advent, and it's just, man, it's just the best time of the year, and it's so exciting. We're talking about the ultimate family Christmas kickoff, benefiting birth choice of Dallas, delectable brunch, and Christmas Pops concert performed by the Dallas Symphony Orchestra, Sunday, December 5th, Meyerson Symphony Center, on Flora Street, right behind Guadalupe Cathedral, brunch at one thirty, the concert at 3, and valet parking is available. Uh, Shelly Stanzo is a board member and the chair of this event. She's here and all, along with Courtney Shaw, uh, client services director for Birth Choice. Again, the website support.birthchoicedallas.org. How much are the tickets? Well, the tickets start at one seventy five. Those are for seats in the dress circle, which are not the cheapest seats there. We wanted to make sure people got good seats. Okay. And then the next level for the ones on the floor, they're in what's called orchestra center. And those are the best seats on the floor. Oh, wow. And then for... That's the Santa zone, right? Yeah, that's Santa zone. Okay. Yeah, now Santa better run up and down the aisles. He's done that in the past, so I'm going to feel really (laughs) stupid if he does it. High fives with Santa. Yeah, Yeah. I don't want to mislead anybody, but Santa in the past has been running up and down. Okay. And then we have the box seats, which are are obviously the nicest seats there. And then for people who go to the box seats... Um, there's a private patron intermission reception with uh, hot chocolate and Christmas cookies for the kids or the adults and mimosas. Oh, wow. So that's just during the intermission. It's pretty short, so it's only 20 minutes. But we couldn't really do a patron thing beforehand because of the brunch. Mm-hmm. And also with kids, they may not have that long of an intention span. Yeah. So uh, we want to make sure that when the kids are there, that they're getting where all the action yeah, and you can bring little yeah. kids, little two-year-old kids. I mean, we've had a lot of little kids. Now, there. are these uh, songs? Because you said there'll be music and singing. It's all is it songs, traditional you know. stuff. It's uh, things it's, that everybody knows. Oh okay. yeah, you know, here Jingle comes Bells. Santa Claus, okay. Jingle Bells, Silent Night. It's not anything weird, right. and uh, <laughs> it's it's like real music, real Christmas music. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Now, how does this? You know, as a board member, part of being a board member is uh, you know the bottom line and making sure that birth choice is financed and all that kind of stuff. Right. How does this play into the overall funding of birth choice? Well, you know, it's interesting. Corley Rinaldi is the de- the development committee chair mm-hmm. on the uh, board, and we've been working together on this as we as I talked about. And uh, it's interesting because this is really not, we don't really make that much money on this event because it's more of a thank you for our supporters and for our volunteers, especially, and our employees. It's something special to do, and it helps people learn, like what we're doing right now, Courtney and I, we're on the radio, so people hear about birth choice, and it's, it's an introduction. And so... I mean, we make some money, yeah. but it's nothing like doing a dinner mm-hmm. uh, because our costs are higher. I mean, we've got to pay for the ticket for the – we get a discount on the tickets, but still we got to buy tickets. Yeah. Then we got to pay for the brunch. So we uh, – I mean, we do make some money, yeah, but it's right. not it's not one of those huge fundraisers where you're 
breaking in hundreds of thousands of dollars. And a year ago, you probably didn't even do this, right? Because of COVID, COVID. and people are so eager to get out That's with exactly people. what's happening. And that's why I'm thinking you're probably going to have, you're going to sell those 350 tickets. And I sure hope so. That. I sure hope so. Um, all right. The Ultimate Family Christmas Kickoff, benefiting Birth Choice of Dallas, brunch and uh, Christmas Pops concert performed by the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. Get your tickets starting at uh, 175 uh, mm-hmm. going up all the way to the box seats. And we take credit cards. <clears throat> all right. Uh, yeah. Good. That's support.birthchoicedallas.org. Uh, board member Shelley Stansel along with uh, Client Services Director Courtney Shaw. All right, Courtney, let's let's talk about uh, the, the positions that uh, people... Uh, they're available. Um, well, what are they? And tell us what kind of pe- people you're looking for. Yeah, so the first position we need ASAP um, is a client advocate. So this person, the ideal candidate, um, is someone who's just empathetic and ready to listen to someone. We don't really require um, a lot of training, um, but we'll train you. So yeah. this is just somebody who's eager to learn and ready to um, be on the front lines. Um, Their position is the one that counsels the clients and then is kind of like their case manager throughout the pregnancy. So they're the ones connecting them to maternity homes, um, following them through their journey and making sure they have the best pregnancy and the most support. Yeah. I remember when Aaron was here, I asked him the same kind of question is that, you know, like on a day-to-day basis, life and death decisions are being made inside your four walls. And that, that's an op, a great opportunity because you can change so many lives. But uh, it must be there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a weight of responsibility, especially in your position, because you're kind of putting the staff together and you got to find that right person. But also what a blessing it is to know how much you're benefiting uh, families and women and literally saving lives. That, that is such an awesome way to, you know, to work and spend your time. Yeah, definitely. We we really just think that we put it in God's hands, and that's the biggest thing we focus on is we're here to be with the women, and the rest is in God's hands. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we keep the weight of it um, lowered because we we know that we're just the instruments. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, support.birthchoicedallas.org is the website. You can also email, is it uh, director at birthchoicedallas.org right. and then Aaron Fowler is the executive director you can go straight to him if you have any questions and he'll or, send it over to me and, e- email to him and he'll send me yeah. email and I'll contact you yeah so let's uh, as we wrap up here uh, just kind of give a, another overview of uh, this event and again it's to Sunday December 5th uh, 1.30 brunch. The concert is 3 p.m. And you said the concert is relatively brief. Or uh, how, how long is the concert? No, there's an inter- intermission, right? Yeah, the concert starts at 3. And I'm trying to remember. I think it's about 45 minutes okay. at that part. Then there's an intermission that's about 20 minutes. And then they have about another 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And, yeah. and But it, like I said, it's... Uh, it goes by really quickly, and the kids really like it. And the the end part is where they do most of the sing along. Yeah, and again, this is a family it is type of uh, event. Bring the kids. And if and you don't have any kids, that is no problem. There are a lot of empty nesters like me there yeah. who don't have any grandkids or don't have any kids. And so there's just all kinds of people who come. And it's not a hoity-toity thing. It's mm-hmm. a comfortable, relaxed kind of event yeah anything else on the radar because obviously this will probably be the the last big event for birth choice for 2021 That's i guess right. either one of you can answer anything looking into 2022 that we can look forward to or anything planned or 
give away any um, birth choice secrets of things that you guys talk about in board meetings that we should uh, our <laughs> listeners should know about anything else you know what we talk about every meeting Guadalupe Radio that's what I was going <laughs> to say we talk about Dave Palmer at Guadalupe Radio and when is he going to keep bugging us about more interviews yeah you know? but, you exactly know, you guys have been great I mean there's uh, just certain groups that uh, we just had such a great relationship and uh, yeah. gosh I, I've uh, I, I think uh, I've interviewed probably three or four of your uh, executive you directors. Have. Yeah, you have. I mean, uh, yeah, you've yeah. been very supportive, and it's important because a lot of people don't know about us. Yeah, and the diocese is so big. Um, we're trying to actually, we don't have the funding right now. So if anybody out there wants to fund this position, we need to have a marketing director. Okay. Because so many of the parishes, I think there's 72 and a lot of people don't know about us. Yeah. So there's only so much as a board member that we can do. I'm on the development committee and we really need a marketing person, but we just don't have the budget right now. So hopefully yeah. we can raise enough money through this and then through grants to fund a new marketing person because we really need that because people need to know what we do for one and we need to um be able to help as many people as we can so yeah. we need to get the word out and marketing and Courtney I can bring you in on this is uh yeah you market the events you want people to be aware like at the parishes but at the same time you also want um abortion minded women to know about your exactly. services and exactly. so how how does that word get out or yeah. how, how do you how do you you know let them know that you're you're there yeah right now we have a couple avenues so we use a marketing company um, that uh, helps us get some calls that get routed to a bunch of different pregnancy centers through the Her internet Her through Her media. Heroic media yeah, yeah. Heroic media yeah. Um, and then also just through our website um, there's certain words on the website that um, will pop up when someone types abortion, birth choice will come up because it's in some of our articles on the website. But really, a lot of it is word of mouth. We had one client who we asked her how she heard about birth choice, and someone on the bus just told her that she went there for her pregnancy yeah. and that she should go over here. So really, it's about getting the word out um, and having good experiences at the clinic. And another way that word gets out is since the abortion clinic is right across the parking lot, mm -hmm. the Catholic Pro-Life Committee has sidewalk counselors there. Yeah. And the only problem is is that the, it's this is kind of in an office park, and the abortion clinic has made a deal with the people who run the property that no one could go to their front door yeah. to be counselors. So they have to stand on the sidewalk outside the complex but they have signs up that say birth choice this way and then they say free sonograms but the one thing i have to say that's really great about that complex is they let us in there and we have a wonderful landlord and you know abortion such a hot topic for them yeah. to allow us to be there oh yeah yeah that's and, and they, the, the facility actually has a sign. There are two arrows. One that goes one way, it says women's surgery. It doesn't say abortion clinic. It's called women's surgery. And then the other arrow goes the other way. It says birth choice. And people, they see the word choice, and we provide a yeah. real choice, but I think some of them think it's an abortion clinic. Yeah, right. Uh, any way that gets them in there, right? They, That's right. They, they find out soon enough. Well, thanks to both of you for being here. It's been a great conversation. I just want to remind everybody that uh, the Ultimate Family Christmas kickoff, Benefiting Birth Choice Dallas, is going to be Sunday, December 5th. Brunch is at 1.30. The concert is at 3. Valley parking is available. And you can find out more and get your tickets at support.birthchoicedallas.org. Support. 
www.birthchoicedallas.org. You can pay with a credit card right there on the online. That's right. And uh, my guests have been Shelly Stansel, board member and chair of this event, and also Courtney Shaw, client services director. Did I get that right? And uh, and be sure to also inquire about uh, positions. If you feel like the, the Lord is directing you to work for Birth Choice, you can uh, email their director, Aaron Fowler, director at birthchoicedallas.org. Org. I think I got all that right, did I? You okay. got it all right. All right. Thanks to Diane for running the board. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestions for future interviews of the week, you can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Thanks so much. And thanks to both of you all for being here. God bless you. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.